0: Hey there, we have a great episode for you today, but I wanted to apologize for the sound quality. We're still working at the Kinks, and this is our first remote interview. We hope you enjoy the episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Thanks for tuning in. This is Postical Chronicles, and I'm your host, Matt Falk. Hello, hello, Postal Chronicle listeners. Uh, it's me, Matt Falk, your host, and today we have a very, very special guest. Uh, not only special because uh, they do such cool stuff, but also very special because this is our first Skype interview ever. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, today our um, guest is Pearl Lowe, the creator of the comic Tensions. Hi, Pearl. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for uh, jumping on this uh, Skype call with us. Um, I feel so bad usually when we have um, guests on, like in person. It's usually we have water, we prepare everything, and I feel like we just threw you into this.
1: That's okay. I got my own water, you know. I'm I'm basically doing the same thing. It's all good.
0: (laughs) Okay, um, so before we talk about your works, uh, let's learn a bit about you. Um, Where did you grow up?
1: Um, so I was born and raised um, on the east side in Vancouver, B.C. Um, yeah, haven't left, haven't lived anywhere else. So I've just been mm-hmm. here all my life. Mm-hmm.
0: I've never been to Vancouver or like anywhere. Like I'm from Edmonton originally, but I've never been to like any of these little like like Burnaby. Like I like, oh. I've, like I, I've heard of them, and um, since I'm like Chinese, everyone's like, "You've never been to Vancouver? <laughs> like who are you?" Um so what's your favorite thing about I guess BC or Vancouver and what's the one thing you like dislike the most
1: Mhm um I think the one thing that I just absolutely adore about Vancouver is the geography like I don't know a, a couple a couple months ago um I thought to myself or someone mentioned to me how they realized that the mountains and the water kind of shaped them as a person growing up in Vancouver. And when they left the city to live abroad for like a decade or something, and they came back, they were just like crying in tears just because they hadn't realized how much they've missed that and how much it meant to them as a person and how much it it connected with them and resonated with them. So um, after she told me that, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, that's, that's really how I feel as well about Vancouver. Um, Every time I go abroad to like visit somewhere like I don't know in the states or you know somewhere in like Asia or something I come back here and I'm like yeah the geography is something else just because we have the water and we have the mountains um yeah and it just does something to you so that's my favorite part
0: about Vancouver dang Mm -hmm. that's deep and what's the thing you dislike the most
1: um this was also kind of deep and like (laughs) but um I'd have to say probably like the anti-blackness in Mm. Vancouver. Um, it's really, it's annoying because it's really subtle. So a lot of people don't think it's, it's a thing. Um, and it's hard to also kind of get the feedback of the black community about, um, anti-blackness in the city sometimes just because we're like 1% of the population here in Vancouver. Mm. So, um, A lot of times people are like, oh, like, no, that person was just really, you know, they were cranky or whatever. And I'm kind of like, no, like they purposely like crossed the street so they didn't have to walk past me or like they purposely didn't greet me when I walked into their clothing store, but immediately greeted the person right behind me. Like, you know, those kind of subtle things. Mm
0: -hmm, Um,
1: So that's that's probably my most disliked thing about Vancouver.
0: Mm, And I feel like in general for east asian communities there is a level of anti-blackness that is prevalent like within east asian communities like east asian immigrant communities Um, that's why i've noticed um but let's talk about your book now (laughs) for those who have not heard of it um of tensions could you briefly tell us what the readers should expect or
1: um, so, tension is my first comic that I've ever done. Um, it's an autobiographical comic about my experience being biracial, half Asian and half Black, um, specifically Chinese and Jamaican, um, and it's about my curly hair insecurities and in growing up in the city. So, it's it's aimed towards kind of the younger audience, maybe like eight to twelve kind of area. Um, so it's, it's pretty lighthearted. Um, there's a lot of good humor and there's a lot of like themes and messages of like self-love and acceptance in there. Um, but it's it's a really good read. Uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from like people who aren't kids um, who really enjoyed it. So that's, yeah, so that's kind of how I would explain my book.
0: Um, what kind of feedback did you get from kids?
1: <laughs> um, that they really, that they really, really liked it. And because um, um, I've had some people who uh, are... Uh, married to someone Black and they're Asian, um, or vice versa, um, and they gave it to their kids to read, and their kid was like, oh my God, like, this is me, like, you know, like, oh, representation. Uh, so I've gotten a lot of feedback of just kids being excited to see themselves represented yeah. in this story, um, especially just because, like you were saying, because of the anti-Blackness in, like, yeah. East Asian communities a lot, like, marrying Black is, like, a huge, like, oh, we don't do that. So, like, mm. If you do have children who are half black, half Asian, you probably won't see many around. First of all, um, if you do like, I don't know, it might be from like I'm from a completely different generation from the kids who are reading my book. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's taken like this long for them to like <laughs> see something that they can relate to. Okay. So, that, yeah. So like that's the kind of feedback I've been getting. Like,
0: Yeah, that's super adorable. Um, so how did you uh, get started on this uh, project? Like what was the inspiration?
1: Hmm. So, I was kind of, like, in a point in my art career where I really wanted to just, like, try a different creative outlet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, my full-time day job is a storyboard artist, so I work for kids' television, um, spe- oh, cool. specifically 3D. So, um, storyboards and comics, they have a lot of parallels in terms of, like, how they look, um, mm-hmm. like, panel-wise. Um and exploring story um, is kind of similar. So I was like, all right, I wanna try, you know, doing something different, but not in a completely different genre of art. I'll try comics, cause it's kind of similar. Um, yeah. So I did that. Um, and then my next problem was like, okay, well, what do I write about? <laughs> um, and then I decided to just kind of pull from my own experience. I was like, okay, so what's one experience that really stands out? Um, that could possibly make an interesting story and I thought about my biracial experience and then I thought about my experience with my hair because that was a huge thing for me <laughs> in my life mm-hmm. um, and yeah so that's how that kind of came about.
0: Very cool um, I think and I'm, I'm like totally oblivious and like ignorant of um, I guess like storyboarding or like what that means like mm-hmm. what is isn't storyboarding just also like Comic writing. I don't know what the difference is. Could you explain that?
1: Right. So so my job is basically I get um so for TV, I get mm-hmm. the script for a television episode. I read the script, and I you know, I have meetings with the director and we all talk about like the direction of the episode and what we want it to look like. Mm-hmm. And so after those meetings and after all those notes, I take the script on my own, I go away and I draw how I see the episode happening. And they do look like, you know they do look like panels, um, like comic book panels, you know, like little square boxes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But the only difference is there there aren't speech bubbles. Um, I write dialogue in a separate section or I have like um, the voice actors recording. I just put okay. it inside of the style. So I listen to that and then I draw pictures matching the dialogue, that kind of thing. Okay. okay. Um, so it's, it's similar. You, it's like, it, but it's just kind of laid out differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's like um it's like a comic that kind of is that comes to life but you also you don't have to make it like absolutely perfect like in a comic and doesn't have the comic styles it's just more general right mm-hmm. yeah okay okay I'm just I have like no clue what any of this is so no that's I mean, okay thanks yeah. for asking
1: I'm always like oh let me tell you a thing what I do
0: <laughs> yeah uh, so and what advice do you have for others about um, starting their own book or completing your own book because I kind of like this is um i do think that this is a big leap this is not something that everyone does or that anyone a lot of people like stick to their regular job of maybe just storyboarding but like also such a i guess very personal story and such like a vulnerable story like um could you i guess talk about completing the book but also um advice about being that kind of level of vulnerable
1: right yeah that's a good question um Yeah, it's true. It's it's hard to do a creative job like working in animation and then come home and do more art because it can get exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of friends have asked me, they're like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. I just (laughs) I feel like I I just have to create and I I feel like I have to tell different types of stories because, you know, there's there's a difference between um, telling someone else's story, you know, through television. Someone else is writing that script. Right. But when Mm -hmm. I come home, I get to tell something through through my lens um, exclusively so so that was that was kind of like one of my driving forces to create the book. Um, but I guess like my advice is to find something that you care about so that you you do it um, or you you feel like doing it. And then once you get that idea, just do it, because <laughs> I feel like a lot of people get inspiration for an idea and then they get all these sorts of, you know, thoughts of doubt or they don't think that, that they're ready enough to do what they want to do, or, you know, like, all those kind of obstacles that mm-hmm. are very much only mm, thought about from, like, yourself. Like, no one's, like, telling, maybe not nobody, but, you know, it's majorly coming, because there's some jerks out there who are like, you can't do that, you can't make that, and those people are like, right. no, I can do the thing. But um But for me, like, a big obstacle is, like, to stop listening to the voice in my head being like, Pearl, like, you're not really that experienced. You've never done comics before. Like, why are you doing this? Like, it's not going to be good. You're not ready yet. And it's like, I, I think that it's important to think about how you're never really going to be fully prepared before you do whatever you want to do. Like, there's no, like, end point where you're like, all right, I'm ready now. Let's do the thing. Like, I feel like that's not life. And you're always mm-hmm. thrown into a situation you're not fully prepared. And that's really great because you learn a lot of things along the way because Mm -hmm. you're not fully prepared. Um, so I feel like keeping that in mind is, is really important in order to, to finish creating something, um, because perfectionism is a thing. And I I tell like a lot of my friends who are like, um, perfectionists, they're like, yes, I'm a recovering perfectionist (laughs) because it holds you back. Right. Because you, you, you think that you have to tweak something so far before you release it or you hold on to something and you keep it so close to yourself, right? You don't end up actually releasing it out into the world. So it's, it's difficult um, to let Mm. that go. It's very hard, but like try your best um, to, you know, to try to release it and let it go and be okay with not controlling everything and be okay with not knowing everything um, because at the end you might get a really good result and you'll learn stuff
0: along the way yeah um i think maybe uh for the podcast for this podcast we need to be more of a perfectionist we gotta (laughs) before we launch something (laughs) i think we throw things out too much
1: (laughs) no i yeah i get that i feel like like oh sorry um i feel like it depends on the medium too right like there's a certain level of control that you need to have in order to like control quality like you're saying right for like a podcast um but what's it called um but for comics, for art in general, I I always believe in the rule of like there are rules for comics and then there are none. That's like the the golden rule for art in general. Like there are rules mm-hmm. and then there aren't any. <laughs> so you know you you have yeah. rules that you can choose to to go along with. You don't have to follow them all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you pick and choose like that. You, you can gain momentum and, you know, you can make progress and you can start creating because, again, like, when you start holding yourself back with all the, oh, no, I have to make sure I check off all these things before I, I even start, it you know, you just, it feels discouraging. And it, and then you lose inspiration and you're like, mm, maybe I just won't create the thing at all because I don't even have all the tools yet, and et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so.
0: Right. Uh, in your book, um, there are, like, so many moments of vulnerability as i mentioned um what was the emotional journey like while writing this book
1: yeah um actually the easiest part for me like the hardest part was was going through that process of like okay pearl like it's okay you can write this you can talk about your experience it's valid like all those type of things um was the hardest part for me to kind of work through oh my gosh (laughs) um but I don't know, I just, hmm, how can I say? Sorry, let me think about this. <laughs> um, yeah, the easiest part for me was just, like, the art part in general, just drawing, inking, whatever, because those things mm-hmm. are not really, like, I don't have to think about that too much. But I think most of, the like, the most difficult part was just myself getting in my own way and me being like, does anyone really want to hear my story or Mm, is my style of storytelling something that, like, people want to see and people want to read about? And so for for a long time, like, when I first got the idea, I thumbnailed out the whole entire comic within, like, a month um, with, like, layout and all the dialogue. Like, I had that all down-packed within a month. Wow. Um, and then the the longest part was, like, creating it because... Like, I had that huge, like, inspiration. Like, yeah, I'm going to make this thing one month down. Great. I thumbnailed, And then afterwards, as I started cleaning it up and, you know, making it look a little bit nicer, I just, I started to kind of accumulate those thoughts of, like, oh, no, like, maybe I'm ahead of myself and I shouldn't be creating this. And then that mm. that part made me take, like, <laughs> like, almost two years to complete, like, clean up for my comic. So, if I didn't have all those thoughts and if i just kind of went with my with go like you know went with the flow a little bit more i probably would have finished a little a little earlier mm-hmm. um but yeah that was that was a huge obstacle of just like doubt and like i'm not experienced enough i don't know why i'm writing this story or like oh people are not going to read it cuz it's such a specific experience like i don't think people are going to relate so why am i writing this again like i had a bunch mm-hmm. of those thoughts so that was really mm-hmm. hard for me to to work through but um at the end of my uh, at the end of my book, I was kind of like at a point where, because the theme the themes in my book were talking about like self love and being gentle with yourself and you know working through. Um, a problem at your own pace right like acknowledging that there's something that you need to work through but like working at your own pace and so Mm -hmm. kind of me reflecting on my past experiences and having those themes pop up again for me was kind of a nice reminder like oh I'm writing about that so I should be applying (laughs) that to myself right now yeah not being so hard about my like hard on myself about you know trying to complete this 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 book but like in a way that has to be perfect like no like that's okay um so at the end of the book like I kind of like retaught myself those lessons and I was able to finish it and it was good it took a while it took longer than I thought but I mean I did it and I was kind of happy about it so
0: Mm -hmm. nice and no and that's a great book too right (laughs) um uh, your mother was actually in the book right Um... yeah she was how did your uh, mother react to being in the book? Like, did she see her own drawing? <laughs> <Or your> drawing
1: <laughs> yeah, she did. I think she did the really Chinese thing. Like, she really, she acted like, oh, that's that's nice. Okay, cool. Like, like she didn't really mm-hmm. make a big deal about it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right, you're in my book, but you don't really care. Okay. But when I would hear feedback from her friends or whatever, they would be like, oh, my gosh, she's so proud of you. She talks about it all the time. And I'm just like. This is so Asian. Like they won't praise you in front of your face a lot of times, but like to yeah. their friends they will. I'm like, okay. So I mean, I know she's happy with it, um, but to my face, it wasn't like a,
0: like it wasn't very obvious. Yes, I totally understand exactly what you are talking about. Yeah. Um. So, um. Onto I guess a more like serious topic. Um. I think anyone who has been I guess like different or othered, um, has needed to kind of overcome some form of internalized racism and learning to like be happy with oneself um right and i think you, your book touches on a lot of these kinds of uh topics um what do you think is really critical for i guess young people children today or even people growing up and um or even adults today what do you think is how, how people should cope with internalized racism and i even or like I know people who when who are in the midst of that like they don't they aren't aware of like what's the like the small things that they talk about themselves or the small ways they change themselves like what's what do you think is critical for that um overcoming
1: right um I think it's really important if if you're at that place where you're kind of like just starting to you know, step back and look at your thoughts and examine your thoughts. I think it's important to one, think about the internalized racist comments that you're making about like yourself or towards someone else, um, as you know, kind of like a side effect of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, who are those thoughts benefiting? You know, like, who's really, who's really gaining from you thinking that you are not worthy? Because it's it's not you. (laughs) And it's not your friends, or it shouldn't be, Um, your friends shouldn't be thinking that. But I really think that first acknowledging, like, oh, these thoughts that I'm having, they're not serving me, and I should probably try working on that. And a lot of it is also taking yourself out of an environment where you can start noticing things that are no longer serving you. Like, I, like for example, I used to have a lot of Chinese friends and just, like, East Asian friends in general
0: mm-hmm. that would,
1: you know, slide in, like, comments like, Oh, like let's not walk into like walk in the sun because I don't want to get black or I don't want to get dark. And like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like directly like, you know, it's not direct, but it's direct enough where it kind of makes you feel bad as a black person. Um mm-hmm. and I had a lot of people in my life with those kind of thoughts. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna try to remove myself from these people. Um, and then you have more clarity, right? You have more yeah. clarity to see what makes you happy and and why you're feeling bad and and then you can start to kind of cultivate better relationships that you know that uplift you instead of tear you down um and you can have those conversations with those people too like when you start to have people who are um who don't hold those internalized racist views you can have conversations Mm -hmm. about them being like hey like i'm i like they can have it with you i mean like if you say something and they're like hey um, I noticed that you say these things about yourself or you say these things about others, um, and they'll challenge you, right? And they'll they'll ask you like like why, why, why are you saying that about yourself or them? Um and then, you know, that just helps your own healing journey and kind of like, Oh, that's right, why am I saying that? Um, and then, you know, you check yourself and and you heal accordingly. <laughs> um, yeah. but for like children, I feel like, or like younger folks, I feel like, um, It's really important to, especially because social media is like such a thing um, and internet has opened up the world where you can, you know, have influences um, and imagery um, custom to you. I really feel like following people who look like you and who represent values um, that you want to believe in. Maybe you're not there yet, but you want to kind of like believe what they believe um, in in their positive and stuff like that. I think it's good to surround yourself with those kind of images because I know like growing up I didn't have any black examples like no black people were really around me and I didn't really have any like mm, I don't know kind of like social media influences imagery art around me that kind of you know uplifted me and pushed me towards a direction of not caring internalized racist thoughts it wasn't until you know the internet kind of like broke out a little bit more and was more prevalent in our lives that I was kind of like, oh, like in high school, like, oh, like I can kind of step back and, and, and kind of choose what I want to take in, choose what I want to think, because a lot of times, you know, society gives us this, these thoughts, right? Like we weren't born to think that, oh, like darker skin is worse than like lighter skin or whatever, right? Or my curly hair is ugly, like society gives you those thoughts, right? So, like I know one of the reasons why like I had secure like insecurities with my curly hair is because I didn't see that around me right, but mm-hmm. kids nowadays if they have you know you know contact with the internet like they can you know see people with curly hair and like they can see that oh my god like yeah like they're beautiful and I'm beautiful too and my hair is beautiful and you know they don't have to kind of like carry that that self sabotaging kind of mindset. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I just oh, I just really feel okay. like it's it's good to surround yourself with with people who kind of like who I don't know who don't carry those thoughts and who challenge you and who do it in a loving way, you know um, as well. Um, but it's it is hard to you know when you're in that environment to to see what's going on and and why you're feeling why you're feeling bad ab- about yourself in certain ways. It's like it's like a toxic relationship. You don't really mm-hmm. know you're in it until you leave it. Um, but sometimes it's just like, you're so fed up with it and that, and when you finally decide to leave, then that's kind of when your healing journey starts. So I don't know. I feel like it's a lot of taking a step back, trying to examine your thoughts. And sometimes that doesn't happen for people right away, but when it does, like, um, pay attention to that because it's really, it's a really important place that you've come to when, when you get to that place. Um, Yeah
0: not very well put um I think one of the big takeaways I took from your book was the role of role models um, mm-hmm. I think like um in your book it was your brother's girlfriend or like your stepsister um yeah
1: yeah like my sister-in-law oh sorry
0: stepsister what am I talking about nah, no, <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> sister-in-law. <laughs> yes yeah. yeah um but and I think that kind of resonated with me because like I have nieces too you know and um I think that was, like, a very powerful part of it. Um, So what does it feel to know so many people relate to your stories and to your book?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's really touching, to be honest. Um, Again, because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like while I was writing uh, my story, I was like, oh, my God, this is such a specific experience. I don't think anyone's going to relate to it. Like, what? Uh, But when it came out, like, I had people from all spectrums um, including, like, old white ladies, like, coming up to me being like, I loved your story. It really resonated with me. I was like, I am so happy to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, it was just, the feedback has just been really, really nice. And, I don't know, it's kind of reignited my my faith in and, and people wanting to hear different people's perspectives and that we have a lot more in common than we do, than we don't. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was really nice, um, and just to see like the youth, like the the children, being really ecstatic about you know seeing themselves in in their in the story, um, yeah, it has, it's just been really touching. So.
0: So how many rounds of printing are you in right now with your book?
1: Um, I just did my third one. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a festival called Van Calf. Um, yeah, yeah. It's very similar to TCAF for those who don't know what Van Calf is. Um, so the comic book festival is really great. Um, I just finished it last week. Um, so I did my third print of uh, for that for that festival. And it was really nice. I was like, oh, third round? This feels great. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Um, what's uh, what's next in store, I guess, like book-wise? Were you thinking of uh, more books in the future? What should we expect?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, currently I am working on, um, I guess, kind of like a, a pitch. I don't know what else to call it, I guess, a pitch. Um, and it's titled Lost in Translation. And it's basically about immigrant families and their children. And the book talks about the... Misunderstandings between the two parties and also the commonalities, Um, just because I know a lot of people in my generation around my age um, and even older, you know, you always have kind of like that misunderstanding of like immigrant parents could be really traditional, but you're here now in Canada and you do other things and they don't understand why you don't do the things they did. And, you know, it's kind of kind of that kind of narrative. So I really wanted to just explore the dynamic between the children and and their immigrant parents and even you know some immigrant parents you know they came here when they were so young like came to canada when they were so young so they may be disconnected from their culture and and then the children are like looking at the parents like so um how come i don't know how to speak whatever language or i want to know more about my Mm -hmm. culture and the parents are like um i came here when i was seven so i don't really know like you know so just kind of exploring those kind of narratives because those are real (laughs)
0: Hey, I'm so excited. Uh, I love um, stories about immigrants and their children. If no one has, I, and if you don't know that, like I don't know why people are listening to the podcast. <laughs> like this entire podcast, like I think we've interviewed like mostly immigrants. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or like the general public, or whoever our listeners are, they, I think they should know. But we're super excited. That sounds like such an amazing uh, project that you're working on. Thank you. Um, super excited. Okay, so. Now, I think uh, we're trying to incorporate more games into the podcast, so this is time for uh, the game, Would You Rather, um, to be honest, not even an accurate game, <laughs> or name, name for the game. It's just kind of like you're choosing between two things that we give to you, <laughs> or like two options, <laughs> or we're just asking. It's like a fire round, like a <laughs> like quick off the top of your head. You can explain it. You cannot. Um, but uh, so the listeners, it's called Would You Rather. Um. Pumped up. Okay, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. You need that energy. Okay, so uh, food-wise, would you prefer egg tarts or banana, a pineapple buns? Which one? Oh,
1: would you have to choose tarts. one or the other. Egg tarts. Egg, egg tarts. tarts. What? Hampton. Really? Hampton. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wait, wait.
0: Wait. What? Wait. What? I, I lo- I uh, all right. That's just, fair. That's fair. No, I, I'm an egg tarts person. Oh. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: okay. okay. Um, how about mango pudding or bubble tea?
1: oh dang oh that is that's an unfair comparison <laughs> i'd probably go for bubble tea because of the variety
0: yeah that makes sense uh how about ramen or pho
1: oh oh okay so in reality i would have to choose pho because i cannot eat wheat or gluten but oh. i love ramen so much i i mean tokotsu ramen is my favorite i love pork bone broth um, so, I mean, that's low-key me choosing both, but <laughs> in reality, I would have to choose both.
0: Okay, um, how about uh, dim sum or sushi? Hmm, probably dim sum. Whoa,
1: I'm yeah. Chinese,
0: but I would rather choose sushi.
1: Really? <laughs> <laughs> because it's just really? less
0: greasy, you know?
1: That's true, that's true. I mean,
0: hmm. <laughs> No, know. no, I don't want to change your opinion. So. No, 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 no,
1: no, it's okay.
0: Uh, um, have you seen uh, Kim's convenience, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Jung or kimchi? Uh, mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, mm, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Jung.
0: Oh yeah, I'm more of
1: a Kimchi fan a little bit. <laughs> Kimchi's Chi, Kim pretty great, but I'm like also Kimchi. I mean Jung annoys me too. His character. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, hey, guys, get it together. Sometimes, Um is really funny though. Um, mm,
0: yeah. Maybe Jung. I, yeah. Okay. Um. So have you have you seen the show Steven Universe? Right. Yes. So of the three main crystal gems. Uh, which one do you relate most to?
1: Hmm. Um. <laughs> hmm it's a it's a mix between pearl haha and um garnet um because i feel like garnet's really like mellow i'm not that mellow but um Mm -hmm. i kind of i kind of relate to her energy but i also like relate to Pearls um, kind of like neurotic behavior sometimes, and like mm-hmm. being kind of like paranoid or like stuck up in certain situations. I was like, oh yeah, like I have those thoughts too. Like I understand. Oh, be- wanting to control the situation, I get that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's a, it's a battle between the two.
0: Okay, I'm definitely like amethysty.
1: <laughs> uh really? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I uh, lapis lazuli or paradox. Oh, lapis. Ah, nice. Um, I feel so bad for anyone who's listening who has no idea what you mean. <laughs> is Then I like
1: would totally... recommend, please watch the show.
0: Yes, it's a great show. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so from uh, the the movie Black Panther, um, mm. M'Baku or T'Challa? Oh, oh, ah! <laughs>
1: oh. Um, I'd probably choose M'Baku.
0: Mm, okay, uh, Shuri or Okoye?
1: Hmm, sure because being a science nerd is cool. I love it.
0: <laughs> mm. uh, were you more of like, a, growing up, were you a Pokemon or Digimon kind of person? I feel like everyone's like sort of a little bit either of two.
1: That's true, yeah. I feel like a lot of people are like in
0: either or camp.
1: Um, I was yeah. a Pokemon kid.
0: Mm. Um, Disney films or Ghibli films?
1: Mm. Ghibli. <laughs> oh, yeah? What's yeah. your favorite one? it's a mix, like, it's between either, this is, see, this is, these type of games, like, which one's your favorite? Like, picking one is always, like, a hard thing for me. Um, it's either Kiki's Delivery Service, just for nostalgic reasons, um, mm-hmm. or, um, uh, Whisper of the Heart. I really liked that one.
0: Man, I haven't seen either of those
1: two. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, one.
0: I'm, uh, obviously I'm more of like a Disney person as what I've just said.
1: Mm, that's okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that ends this round of Would You mm-hmm. Rather. Um, we do so have, thank, yeah, thanks for being part of it. <laughs> um, for our last question. Mm-hmm. And, um, for your, when your next book comes up, we would definitely want you to come back. So, uh, we'll hit so you up, um, for the last question, uh, for, um, children who today growing up today who um in neighborhoods where you know people don't look like them um or they don't see enough representation um or even if you could even speak to the person in your past self in the book Mm
1: -hmm. what would
0: you say to that person today
1: hmm i would probably say that you're worthy and your experiences are valid and even though you feel like no one relates to you um, exactly, um, I still think you can, you can try to find understanding in others, from others. Um, I mean, as a kid, you don't really think about these things that deeply, Um, but like, yeah, like looking back, it's kind of like, You have to come to terms with your circumstances, right? Because I'm like, Vancouver is Vancouver, like for my context anyway. So Vancouver is Vancouver, it's going to be, you know, predominantly Asian and white. You can't really change that unless you you want to move. So, you know, coming to terms with, okay, this is the demographic in the city. um, How else can I, you know, try to make myself feel better, I guess, is is the way to put it. Like, how do I I make myself feel happy? Um, And that can be, you know, finding online community groups nowadays, you know, and trying to find support groups there. Um, It could be surrounding yourself with friends who understand that um, it's hard, you know, because, like, not everyone can understand your specific experience exactly, right? But they can, you know, sympathize and they can empathize and, you know, they can understand where you're coming from and give you you know support in the way that they can right um Mm -hmm. so i think it's really important to try to surround yourself with people who can do that for you so so you don't feel alone because i mean for vancouver being a minority is isolating but like especially specifically being black it's extremely isolating so it's it's very important for me personally anyway um to try to see you know what external things i can surround myself with to to help with my experience right now of you know not having people who look like me around um and then also doing that internal work like yeah like it's okay i am worthy i am yes i might not see myself reflected back at me where i live but you know i i don't know i'm still mm, i deserve happiness i Deserve to be seen, I deserve to be heard, and all those things. So, and and it's a constant process too. I don't want people to be like thinking that, you know, okay, I'm going to try to apply this advice and I'm going to reach a point where, okay, I'm okay now. I am happy and I'm going to stay this way. It's like, no, it's a continual process because sometimes, you know, you have your ups and downs and you have your good days and your bad days, and sometimes you really you just can't get over the feeling of feeling super isolated um and it can be disorientating um and you can have that moment you know but um don't forget that you're okay like you can you can do this and if you surround yourself with with other people who can support you um you can do it with them too you don't have to be alone
0: Thank you so much for uh, being on our show. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I was really excited to come today.
0: (laughs) Usually at the end, we have like a plug if you want to plug in anything or, you know, if you can let people know where they can find you or buy your stuff.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, my main website um, for my portfolio where I, where I have like my storyboards and illustrations and stuff and a link to my shop um, is perlo.com, which is P-E-A-R-L-L-O-W dot com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, I tend to post most of my art on Instagram, um, like daily sketches and stuff. And that's um, at Fumichun, F-U-M-I-C-H-U-N. Or you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm occasionally uh, active there, but um, I'm also at Fumichen, but F-U-M-I underscore C-H-U-N.
0: Postical Chronicles is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Matt Falk. Our staff includes Kasun Medegadara, Rostislav Soroka, Alice Coombs, and Tammy Kung. Our main theme song is called Last Energy for the Day by Loyalty Freak Music, and there are other music credits on our website. If you liked what you heard, leave us a note on our website, share us, follow us on the social medias, rate us, everything helps. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you soon.